When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! So this might not be a shock to you, Matt, as I have for a very long time tried to keep checks in the mail very high in my uh, original songs ranking. Yeah. But this is one of my absolute favorite Al originals. This is definitely like a spiritual sibling to checks in the mail. I mean, lyrically has zero in common, but musically is a way more advanced version of a style he went for on checks in the mail which i want to tell you that i googled the lyrics to the song i'm not sure if you googled the lyrics i did did you catch what the genre was when you google this the the, according to google Um, yeah no i want to see if you get the same thing that i get but on the right of my screen it said genre children's music comma (laughs) j-pop i i just now saw it uh Children's music slash J-pop. Well, that's just incorrect, Google. I mean, that's not even up for debate. We can't even consider that being a possibility. No, this, I saw that late last night when I was taking my notes, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I was like, is there a J-pop cover of This Is The Life? Somewhere? This is also really weird. I'm also just noticing. Wait a minute. <laughs> Because <laughs> my mind is kind of exploding right now. If you Google This Is The Life Weird Al lyrics, they pop up on the screen, and on the side it says genre, children's music, comma, J-pop. But then underneath that, under songwriter, it says Vernon Reed, <laughs> which is weird. Well, Because first of all, it's not true, but Vernon Reed is a friend of mine who is the guitarist for Living Color, who I've, I have worked you with. Should- you like, should text them and be like, hey, man, did you write Weird Al's This what Is What is life? Google trying to do to me? Like, I feel like I'm on a prank show. Uh, this is how we announce that Ashton Kutcher is our guest on this week's Vernon Reed of Weird wrote Al. This Is The Life by Weird I, I, I am just, I, I wish people could see me right now. I'm like, you have to take a I'm screenshot and send it to him. Be like, like, hey, congratulations. Yeah, I'm going to text him and be like, credit. did you know that you wrote this Weird Al song? The quick one-sentence description uh, that we have for This Is Life is technically 
depending on how you look at it, this was the debut single for this record. Um, this is the life was originally commissioned for the gangster spoof movie Johnny Dangerously, uh, which comically describes a gangster's lavish lifestyle. Um, it had already been recorded and released as a single in November of 1984. Uh, so a couple years, this was in between in 3D and Dare to Be Stupid. The music video was released. Then they just kind of threw it on the Dare to Be Stupid record. But depending on how you look at it, debut single. That's so interesting. I mean, I, you know, to be honest, before this, before we talked about recording this episode, I did not know that this was, I knew that this was featured in Johnny Dangerously, but I didn't realize that it was actually written for it. So so this predates and was made based on the movie. I mean, do we know, did Al like see the movie first? I don't think so because here, so this is going to be something that I'm, I'm actually realizing this more and more with these original songs is like this song could exist not as a weird owl song like yeah, lyrics sure. lyrics and all like it's not because when he does some of his songs they are like so over the top with the absurdity and the goofiness but yeah. like this is any person who wrote a song bragging about how great their life is these lyrics would still fit they're not like the video is very weird out, but lyrically the song is actually pretty straightforward for what you could have heard in a 1930s like musical. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, he, yeah, like he's this- definitely playing it very straight. I mean, it's interesting because it comes down to something we've sort of talked about. Like this, I mean, it, this is a f- sort of funny song, and it does make me smile. And like, but it's not on paper. It's not funny. No, this is just an Alfred Yankovic original. It's not a Weird Al Yankovic original. Yeah, and it just made me wonder, is is he able to infuse comedy in these very specific ways that are so subtle you almost don't catch it, or is it just I'm conditioned because it's Al to be like, oh, this is funny? Yeah, because like even... So the last line, I actually love the last verse of this song where it like builds and builds to the very end, but he says like, I pay the bills, I call the shots, I grease the palms, I buy the yachts. The one yeah. thing I can guarantee, the best things in life, they sure ain't three. It's such a little just to be me. This is the life. Yeah. Like that is a Broadway show it's verse great. right there. All of the lyrics of this song are fantastic and are, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's true. Again, I'm just reading them. I'm reading these lyrics that were written by Vernon Reed. Uh, apparently Uh, side note, everyone, just a good, this is a great reminder. Don't believe everything you Google, even what Google shows you. This is just straight up. Not true. I mean, and then there's, there's some lines that are like moderately funny. The, like I, I buy a dozen cars when I'm in the mood and I hire somebody to chew my food. Though I was going to say the hire someone to chew my food might be the only legitimate, like comedic line that wouldn't. But again, I'm thinking about this because I've been kind of dancing around it. This could just be a straightforward Cole Porter song. Like, if you told me that he was just covering a Cole Porter song for this movie, like, every even the I hire someone to chew my food is something that Cole Porter would have written in, like, Anything Goes or, like, a 42nd Street type music. Any of those, like, mobster-themed musicals of the 30s and 40s. Like, Mm -hmm. this fits so... Like, this is, in a very weird way... The same way that Dare to be Stupid could just be dropped on a Devo record and would fit in without a single lyrical change, this could be put into any one of those types of musicals and would feel perfectly at home without a single lyric change needing to be made to it. Yeah. Like, the only comedic parts are, 
when the music introduces modern music into it, like a like an '80s guitar solo or like a breakdance portion. The '80s guitar solo is like a musical joke. The breakdancing, record scratching bit, and even the like, basically a spoon solo tucked in yeah. between those two things is yeah. he's making you laugh with how like anachronistic all the different elements are that he's throwing into this. Because otherwise, yeah, it is so straightforward. Um, yeah, if anyone ever wanted to make a Weird Al musical a Broadway show, like a Mamma Mia style show, this would definitely be a pivotal song to throw into the middle of his rise to fame. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> I think we joked around about this on on a past episode, but it is a, I think that this song is one of the most underrated of his singles. Like, I don't think I've really ever talked to anyone who has the love of this is the life that I have for this is the life. Like it's usually just like a track on the album. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Cause this is, it's really, really good. I, I would love to, now that you're saying it, I would love to hear like how interesting would it be to hear someone do this in a more straight, either Broadway style or someone singing it like it was indeed like a swing early jazz, like twenties, style recording yeah. like Cole Porter. Can we get Scott Bradley on the phone and just be like, hey, yeah, just, I know that you normally take modern songs and make them into like jazz standards. Can you just cover this song and not do the guitar solo and the breakdance yeah, part? Skip and just any do of it the straight? comedic elements and just do this as a straight track because I really do think that it would it would land beautifully even just like that. Yeah. I mean this but this is another one of those examples where it's like Hal is just a good songwriter. Like if you told me that Weird Al did goes down the same route as like a Sarah Bareilles or or any of <laughs> yeah. these other people that become Broadway yeah. songwriters. I think he would kill it. He's got such a oh, great absolutely. mind for it. Here's what I'm throwing out into the universe: <laughs> UHF the Broadway musical. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> I wouldn't weird out to turn that into a full blown Broadway absolutely. show. Absolutely. No, I think there's something really great about feeling like Al is someone who can do anything. Because he, I really, all of the evidence, and we're still early in his career, but his ability to do just about anything musically is pretty undeniable already. And the fact that you can do anything musically, but you choose to do this type of stuff that he does, it's so charming and so wonderful to to know that, like, in a world of possibilities, he could do anything. He could try. He could go out there and be in, like, the coolest hippest band in the world but no he wants to write stuff like this and just follow the, the path that he has i mean something about yeah. that is just so impressive to me it's not because he can't do anything else it's because he loves this yeah and i mean it makes sense within the context of the movie johnny dangerously i'm not sure if you got a chance to check it out you know i recording. did matt i actually did watch johnny dangerously in anticipation of this episode i don't think i needed to no, but what did you think of it? <laughs> but I did. I thought it was okay. Yeah, it's not the greatest comedy of all time, but it's. I think it's an underrated comedy still. <laughs> it's okay. It's not as, you know, it's going for this kind of vibe of like from that time period of something like Airplane, a very yes. sort of slapstick. It's like a joke a second. Yeah, a joke type. a second comedy. And you realize when you watch something like this how hard it is for something like Airplane where so many of the jokes land so well. Like yeah. in this one, there's a lot of eye rolling. And I did laugh a bunch of times, but there's a lot of like, oh, God, it's like so many things like that, you know? One of the jokes that I still in a is like in a regular rotation in my vernacular ever since I saw it in college is the bit where it's like, you know, someone did that to me once. Once. <laughs> like, 
I don't know why, but the delivery of that gag over and over and over again always made me chuckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was going to say, within the context of the movie, the song makes sense for why it sounds the way it is. It is a it is a slapstick comedy that definitely lives in that 1930s, 1940s world. Like I don't think that they would have wanted Al to deliver an 80s sounding song to begin with, but the amount of how he threw himself into this 30s speakeasy type sound is perfect to yeah. me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Just back to Johnny Dangerously for a moment, because I th- I think it was like really like I didn't realize this is the Amy Heckerling directed this movie right after Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, I think it's the movie follow-up. right after, right? That's so yeah. crazy. It really stalled her career, unfortunately, because it she's she's talked about it before, and it is a very unfortunate truth of Hollywood. Yeah. Um especially at that time. Women did not get a second chance after they had a bomb. Like she's like the amount of I I, I was reading the book as if, um, which is like about the making of Clueless, right? And she talks about how like she really had to fight to get to do Look Who's Talking after this because they're like, well, aren't you the girl who made Johnny Dangerously? Like it stopped being. So so the way that she explained it was throughout her whole career is she she made Fast Times. It was a hit. She was working on Johnny Dangerously. She got a sneaking suspicion that this was not going to be a success. And she knew that as a female filmmaker, she wasn't going to get many opportunities for a second chance. So before the movie was even released, she very quickly threw her name into the hat to do European Vacation because she was like, it's a sequel to a popular movie. So... If Johnny Dangerously fails, that movie will probably succeed and it'll like keep me in the conversation. <laughs> That's really smart. Bit. That was really yeah. smart of her to because I just was gonna say she did European vacation right on the, the heels of that. So that was a, a very smart play on her part. But yeah, you're right. Then after that, it was years before Look Who's Talking. Look who's talking, and then, Look Who's Talking Too and Clueless. She had to have repeated successes again. Yeah. And then she did Vamps, and I'm pretty sure that she's relegated to television when Vamps say, yeah, Unfortunately, out. the next, you know, Johnny Dangerously put her in uh, in movie jail. Then the next thing that did was Loser. Yeah. Put her back in oh, movie God, jail. I love, I love Loser so much, though. It's I have so to revisit. Good. I have to revisit Loser. I should go and, and watch it again with, with fresh eyes, because I, I think I said before, I remember watching that as a teenager and not really getting it, but I've heard that I should give it another shot, so. Yeah. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into One Hit Wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? 
As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. And I want to bring up one other lyric in this that, again, just kind of sticking to what we've been saying, where it's like, this is a Cole Porter tune, which, for the record, I know we keep referencing the same Broadway composer. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who aren't as invested in Broadway, Cole Porter has a very specific sound and voice to his oh, yeah. Broadway musicals that this is, there's no way that this isn't emulating his songwriting style specifically because this is like he was writing at the same time as Gilbert and Sullivan, who is such a dramatically different type of yeah. musical. <laughs> but it's the line where it says, uh, they say that money corrupts you, but I can't really tell. I got the whole world at my feet, and I think it's pretty swell. I got women lined out outside my door. They've been waiting there since a week before. Who could ask for more? This is the life. Yeah. Just this braggadocious track. It's so good. <laughs> so and what he what's great about the lyrics of this song is it's braggy. Yeah. In just a subtle enough way that you you buy it. Like this guy doesn't realize how horrible his tone is. You know what yes. I mean? Like it, it's so like he is just saying like isn't this great? Like everyone should be happy for him. I love the I got a solid gold Cadillac. I make a fortune while I sleep. You can tell I'm a living legend and not some ordinary creep. Yeah. <laughs> which is um, which is so good and uh uh there's one other one the um, well there's that there's a kind of where it breaks the normal melody for a little second where it's like because i'm the big cheese the number one yeah. buy an autograph kleenex by the time <laughs> like it's like it's such a that even oh my god it's such a well-constructed song i think yeah. it is a truly well-constructed yeah song. it's funny because i think we're going to go over every single line of this song just because i love it so much i also <laughs> love the every day i make the front page news no time to pay my dues <laughs> <laughs> which which implies that like he is getting away with all kinds of shit, right? Like he's got yeah. no time to actually pay his dues in life. Everything is just working out for him. I mean, again, if this is written for Johnny Dangerously. This is a a mob movie, so the idea is supposed to be like, isn't it great how good I'm living while taking advantage of everybody around me? Yeah. He just stumbles into success. So I want to talk about the music video for just a couple minutes. Oh, There's yeah. not a ton to discuss because at least Two-thirds of this music video is just Johnny Dangerously footage, which looks noticeably grainier uh, than the uh, rest of the music video. I noticed that, too. Like, how is it possible (laughs) that that the video looks so much better than the movie? I don't get it. How do they shoot this movie? (laughs) But the other thing I wanted to comment is that this is chronologically his fifth music video, right? He did Rocky Road, did Ricky, did... Eat It did Lost on Jeopardy, and then this is the next one. I think that this is the youngest that Al has ever looked in any music video. He does look really, really young in this video. He looks like a 19-year-old kid in this, especially the moment where I wrote that note was specifically the scene where he's like adjusting himself in the mirror and all the different hands are coming and like touching his face. And I'm like, he legitimately looks like a teenager in this Yeah, he really does. He really (laughs) does. He looks like a toddler. The jokes are... The jokes are all right. The only joke that really jumps out at me is when he's talking about always being in the paper and it's the newspaper headline is Al takes a bubble bath, which, you know, leads to the beginning of the music video where a waiter is carrying a rubber ducky on a tray up to his bubble bath. Right, 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 right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, the video is really good. And actually, hilariously, I feel like the intercut footage from Johnny Dangerously does it no favors. None. 
I mean, it would be, I would be, would rather see Al and his group in this setting. It's a shame because you can tell that like, it seems like they really went to lengths in Al's video to shoot it in that location that looks very similar to the club scene that Michael Keaton is in, in Johnny Dangerously. But then it doesn't, you don't buy it because every time they cut to Michael Keaton, it looks like the movie came out 30 years earlier. (laughs) It's I can't, I cannot get over that. Also, I don't know if you know much about this, Matt, but I, in my research, saw some evidence that in certain versions of the release of this movie, the song is not featured. I don't, because I thought for sure that it was literally the opening credits song as the movie started. I heard that in certain video releases, the song is not featured. Now, the version I found and watched did have the song in it, but I looked on message boards and I saw a bunch of people talking about how some versions have the Al song, some don't. I also remember Al... Oh saying at one point in a Q&A, this is where I saw it, now I'm remembering, on his website, he used to, like, there's an Ask Al section that I found, and someone asked him about it, and he said there was a rights issue, and at one point, the song was removed and replaced in the opening credits with something else. Yeah, so I just, uh, IMDB actually says, for legal reasons, the Weird Al song, This Is The Life, is not included on the home video release. So I'm guessing the VHS version of this. And then by the time the DVDs and Blu-rays came out, I guess whatever legal issue. They got the rights back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, based on the information that we've talked about in past episodes about the Scotty brothers, maybe they weren't really interested in having a song they produced in a mob movie. Who knows? I, I don't know what was going on there. But imagine how infuriating that is. Imagine Al is commissioned to write this song for this movie. They ask him to do it. He does it. It comes out. And then on the video release, due to a rights issue, they cut it. Like, that is... And he made a video. His video promotes their movie. Their movie, and then it And they apart. cut him out of the movie. Like, I mean, again, I'm not saying... <laughs> That's upsetting. I don't think Amy Heckerling cut him out of the movie. But, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's a... Uh, I mean, what a, what a huge pain. Like, like I, I, I don't know. This, it seems like the, the movie tie-in for this did not do Al any favors at all. If anything, I think now the movie is better known for having an Al song in it than anything else. Yes. The only other noteworthy thing about Johnny Dangerously is that it is one of the, if not the first PG-13 movie. It's like this and Red Dawn (laughs) were... Oh, really? The first films? Yeah, because it was 1984. That was when they first started the PG-13 rating. I, was I thought, in, in my mind, wasn't Temple of Doom the first PG-13? No, Temple of Doom was why they started trying to get a PG-13 rating because oh, of the heart rip it was scene. PG. Yeah. It uh, may okay. have gotten re-released as a PG-13 after the fact. But Maybe when that came out on VHS, it became PG-13. Yeah, it was, it was Temple of Doom gremlins and something else were all pg movies that came out in the same year gotcha and parents just were like this is too much like people are being like blown up people are having their hearts ripped out like we need something to keep our five-year-old from seeing this movie (laughs) there's got to be some gap between five and 18 or 17 Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah uh all right so let's talk some rankings i want to go first on this because i am going to legitimately put this song in my top three this is going okay right between nature trail to hell and one more minute and one more minute that's that's how much i love this song that's great that's that's great i don't think i like it that much i'm looking at my (laughs) list right now i do i do really enjoy this a lot this is great i also will say like this is another when i was doing the the playthrough playing this song this was so challenging i don't think that al and his band have ever played this live 
which is I a testament to how difficult it is. I think this is really, really. I also saw they brought in. Um, they had budget probably because of the movie tie-in. He brought in a banjo player, like a session mm-hmm. banjo player. Usually, Jim West does the banjo playing, like on the polkas and stuff, if they ever have that. But I think they brought in someone like a legendary guy to play on this track to try to capture as much of that vibe as they possibly could. Well, and banjo. I mean, I can barely play banjo. I it's play hard. a six-string banjo. It's hard. But to play that era banjo, like, because we'll get into this in like two th- two weeks when we get to Hooked on Polkas. I love when Jim West banjo is in there. But for the most part, Jim West banjo playing is to like just really hammer out fast accord to like keep a rhythm. Yeah. Whereas like this style of like New Orleans jazz banjo is so intricate and like jumping all over. The- it's almost like playing a bass line on the bench. Totally. <laughs> like, it is totally crazy. Um, I just uh, looked. Uh, Al Viola was the okay. banjo player who played on this track and also played for 25 years for Frank Sinatra. Yeah. He's a, so, he's so a legend. Al, right this there. was a real, like, he, he really wanted to capture some authentic vibes of this time period and totally succeeded. This is a very, very impressive track. But it is, is it more impressive <laughs> than Midnight Star? I'm going to put it. Like you, I'm going to put it right above One More Minute, but that's further down my list. I'm putting it between Midnight Star and One More Minute. All right, so still the top 10, not the top five. Yeah. I feel like we're going to agree on the music video. I, As much as I enjoy this video, I'm putting it at the bottom. It's too much of just grainy movie footage for me. I'm not going to put it at the very bottom. There are moments in the video I love, especially at the very end. Like Whoever did the shot, there's the finale shot of the thing where everyone's like, Al is doing his jazz hands and everyone around him is clawing for the money he's just tossed out of his pocket. And as he's doing the jazz hands, the chandelier falls behind him and hits the ground perfectly at the last hit of the song. Oh, is that beautiful choreography? That's the sort of like back then you really had to just time that flawlessly. And they it's amazing how good that looks. And the choreography that they even do on that final bit where they're not that it's as complicated as some of the other choreography we've already seen. um, But like. You know, hitting the like down to the side one, two, three, four, like up oh yeah, to the yeah. Side two, like. And in terms of budget, like budget for videos, this might be his most high budget video next to Eat It. That is true. I That's mean, this is like true. there's a lot that went into this. This looks like they really um, there's a lot more extras as we as the last music video we talked about was just Al and his band members in a black room. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, is, exactly. Like, yeah, I'm sure they had a lot of fun uh, putting this together. Although, once again, I question. I was looking through it. I didn't see uh, Jim West is is in his full like regalia as the '80s rock guy playing guitar. I don't know if I saw Steve J in this video. Um, yeah, I I was or, wondering if like Bermuda. maybe one was like he might have yeah, been in the I band. Sh- there is a band in the background, kind of not in focus for most of the song, so maybe he was one of those guys. I I don't know. Yeah, I I couldn't figure that. Out. I didn't catch them either. But I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put this in between like a surgeon and one more minute. Wow, wow, <laughs> that is <laughs> because it does is- have. It that is mo- shockingly high. <laughs> <laughs> it has more production value than I was going to say. That means below that is one more minute, Ricky, and I love Rocky Road. And I think it does have better production value than all of those things. I think it is bogged down by the movie, but I also think that's not Al's fault. No, I agree. Um, with that and too. I think his side of it is really, really, really good. So yeah, there you go. I I prefer the video. I like the video more than you, but you like the song more than me, which is great. That's great. There we go. All right. Well, we've got one more original song left to go. 
and then a polka. And and, and really quick, because I think it's one of the only lines we didn't talk about, and we're going to end on it, because truly, I think this is one of the best turns of phrase Al's ever put in a song, is you're dead for a real long time, you just can't prevent it. So if money can't buy happiness, I guess I'll, I guess have, I'll to have to it. rent it. Oh, like that, that is, but by, by any measure, that is a fantastic line. You think about that until next week. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 